0: Alright, welcome, welcome. This is episode 9 of our podcast called Behind the Wheels. My name is DJ Artistic. I am a DJ and a cultural curator based here in Los Angeles, California. I want to introduce you all to my co-host E.B. E.B., what's good?
1: What's going on, everybody? I am E.B., the Soul Musicologist. I am a writer, blogger, and content creator based in Brooklyn with a love for everything black everything
0: black all black all day every day uh this is behind the wheels so what we do on here we talk about everything uh in regards to black music the past the present and the future so we have a couple of different segments uh that we have coming up for you today we're gonna be talking about some classic legendary artists some artists who are on the way and discuss uh, some topics that people have been discussing on social media so uh, before we get into all those things we're gonna catch up real quick so one of the main things we're excited about right now is this next versus. Uh, we actually did have a, a, de- a debate about DeAngelo versus music a couple weeks ago. and it looks like it's halfway coming to life because D'Angelo is having DAngelo and Friends versus coming up at the Apollo in New York. So EB, I mean, what are you what are you expecting? Because it's saying DAngelo V Friends as if it's like a, a concert presented by Versus versus the usual. Right. Like 20 song format, song verse song,
1: like right. it can go so many different ways. Yeah, I think because it's because it's D'Angelo, number one, but definitely um, it's going to be something like celebratory as, you know, mm-hmm. he's doing it live at the Apollo. So, of course, he's going to have these celebrity guests come in. They're probably going to play songs together. Some songs he produced, probably singers that he's produced or worked with. Everybody will probably come in and it'll probably be, you know, just kind of honoring him. And it helps Versus because they get D'Angelo, but it also helps it D'Angelo because um, it's time for him to come back from hiatus again, finally.
0: It is. It's crazy because we waited so long for um, Vanguard, the Vanguard album. Um, yeah. It feels like, how long ago
1: was that? That was, that was 2014, I think. It was that long ago? So it's
0: already yeah. been like <laughs> yeah, seven years since Yeah, I was still living in
1: that. D.C. Yeah, it was, it was definitely wow. 2013 or 14 when uh the Vanguard came back. And wow. when he came back with the Vanguard, and before then, uh what, it was
0: 2000?
1: 2000, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we we
0: so was up 14, on that time. 14 years, and it's been seven. So it doesn't seem like it's been that long because it took so long just to get to that album, but... I'm expecting him to drop something else if he's doing verses. That's always the best platform to debut.
1: If he has that new song, he's been signaling whatever it could be. Yeah, he'll probably drop an album this year. I I guarantee he'll drop an album.
0: I'm expecting that. Who do you think is going to show up? Because everybody's speculating Erica. They speculate Quest
1: Love, Erica, Quest, Maxwell, uh, maybe, maybe Maxwell. I'm pretty sure. Sadiq will be there I'm pretty sure yeah. anybody who's New York so I mean New York Philly like everybody he's worked with in between New York and Philly I'm sure they're gonna show up to the Apollo for that yeah
0: Jill Scott I would hope so yeah I mean if yeah
1: and it, it could be a whole a whole thing I'll be happy about that honestly I'm happy with whoever shows up because we don't get to see D'Angelo do much of anything so it'll be nice to you know at least tune in for that one moment
0: yeah that's facts. I'm
1: definitely looking forward to that. And
0: along with that, the biggest news of this week was the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. So uh, a lot of our favorite artists were nominated for that. So as far as the nominees go, let's see. We have Jay-Z. We have Mary J. Blige, of course, your favorite, my favorite. Yeah. Uh, we got Shaka Khan. We got Fela Afrobeat, you know, legendary from Nigeria. We got LL Cool J. You know, we got Miss Dion Warwick, so... I'm definitely excited about that.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I would hope that both LL and Jay-Z get in because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame does not have a great track record with inducting hip-hop artists, you know, yeah. for that great honor that they call the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But um, also, Shaka deserves it. Dion deserves it. Mary definitely deserves it. Tina Turner deserves it. Tina and Shaka are actually in it, but they're Tina in it too, groups. Yeah. So, if they get in again, then they'll be part of a special group that are nominated or have been inducted twice, but once solo and once with the group. That makes all the sense. Yeah. How does it
0: usually work with uh, rock and roll? Is it is it similar to sports where maybe half of them will be admitted or is it usually a majority case goes? Because I it's, haven't really- It's
1: normally, it's closer to half and it's mm-hmm. like, yes, they vote, but- the fans we can also vote every day you can go to the rock and roll hall of fame's website and you can vote for up to five i think up to five people that you think should be inducted and you can do that every day
0: every day okay so that means if it's i'm looking right now you said five so it's about as far as who we just mentioned tina mary fela ll dion shaka jay that's that's like 7, 8, so that means every day we gotta vote for a good 4 or 5 of them different and just mix it up. Cause yeah, I, you just gotta do it
1: every yeah. day. And they did release a preliminary poll that said I think Dionne Warwick was closest to the bottom, but people like mm. Tina Turner were closest to the top for, you know, being inducted. Wow. That's so crazy. Far. I
0: mean, I mean, I guess it makes some sense as far as who had to appeal, the what we call the wide-scale, st- wide mainstream appeal, but that's still nonsense to me. Like we gotta get Dion in there for sure.
1: Oh yeah, you know, and she's trying hard. You know, she on Twitter. Dion <laughs> well, she, ended up. <laughs> she she been on
0: Twitter. Yeah, I love her Twitter account. She's she on of Twitter
1: at this point. Like Dion Warwick is doing on Twitter what nobody else will do, and she's letting it be known that she ain't ready to put up with nobody's shit. She <laughs> said all the time, you know, you could be followed today but unfollowed tomorrow, and I'm just uh. like, yeah, that's right. Oh, seriously, she's on there
0: putting people in check, and she she asking <laughs> questions. If she don't know what some is, she's not afraid to ask it. And oh yeah, yeah, she if wanna you know. come, yeah. If you come at her sideways, she gonna check you like an auntie. So yeah, yeah she she gotta make the Twitter Hall of Fame if nothing <laughs> else. I'm definitely rocking with her for that. So <laughs> that's what we have uh, going on in the world of music right now. The first segment we're gonna be getting into, speaking of these legendary artists, uh, we have a segment that we do each and every episode that's called Rewind. <laughs> We mentioned some artists from the past. It can be anything from legendary artists that we talk about every day to those that we don't mention as much. So, for this
1: week, uh, who would you want to pick for your your rewind artist? So, uh, rewind is it's a group that mostly everybody knows, but uh, I don't think they know much outside of like the one or two smash hits that they have. But it's Cameo. Cameo. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. You know the word yeah. up Cameo. Candy Cameo. Word up
0: that's everybody's
1: favorite it's It's funny, everybody's favorite song everybody they got those they had those big 80s the mid-80s hits that became like universal like the older people liked them the younger people liked them and now the younger younger people like them
0: yeah yeah for sure
1: but yeah cameo started actually back in the early 70s so they were like 1973 1974 they started uh, right here in new york city and originally they Mm -hmm. were called the new york city players but yeah you know you know everybody I mean, had hey. the players like you know but by Ohio. the time yeah yeah <laughs> by the time they were ready to release their uh debut you know they found out that of course there was another group called the new york city players because there are a lot of players in new york city <laughs> that's a whole lot it's a whole yeah lot of- <laughs> it's what, it, it's what <laughs> we do so um yeah they released their first album in 1977 and Cameo is one of those groups that they lasted so long in the business that we heard their sound evolve. So they started out really, really funky. Like it, they were almost like an Ohio players at one point, or they were almost like a parliament funkadelic in a in a, in a sense. But um, as they evolved and as the band grew, then you know we saw they got jams. They got the hits, like the dance hits that don't ever quit. But then they also have ballads like why have i lost you and sparkle and i think they do their best at the ballads like their ballads are like top tier um but they they've always been around their, their definite foundation of the 80s um, songs like Candy, She's Strange. She's Strange, goes. Listen. yeah. I like the way she walked. I like the way she talked. You know, all that <laughs> with the rapping. <laughs> they was like, yeah. we can't pay nobody else. We gonna rap it ourselves. <laughs> they ain't <laughs> Single, need no like. Melly Mel. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they didn't need none of they that. They was it, like, it They had like 14 people at one point. So they was like, well, we can't wow. split the check no more. So <laughs> what enough. else gonna have to come up with a rap? But, you know, they set that foundation in the 80s. And in 2001, they were actually featured on Mariah Carey's song, "Lover Boy." Um, because it was the hmm. song, and you know the premise of glitter was based on the song "Candy." It was about the 1980s in New York. Um, but Larry Blackman, who was the lead singer, he also co-wrote that song, and and other people in the band, you know, they've toured with Outcast and worked on um miss jackson and prototype like if you hear those songs live then a member of cameo helped create those and also oh, wow, uh wow. gospel legend john p key he actually started with and toured with cameo you know really? back when he was in college that was like, <laughs> like yeah he got his <laughs> wow. start you know with cameo you know on the road and back in i think maybe 2017 they were honored with the bet awards and they did a whole skit on uh larry and his codpiece you know he wears <laughs> his codpiece yeah. over his uh leotard that that, that thing yeah <laughs> yeah over well, that thing yeah that's what you do so uh yeah cameo is my rewind because you know they got the hits but i don't think people really listen in and jam like they're supposed to
0: for sure i feel like with cameo so one thing i didn't realize but it makes sense um it might have been a few months ago i don't know who brought it to my attention, but. I was mentioning that when it comes to certain like white crowds that you get for like say a corporate party, mm-hmm. uh, of course um, the black folks love candy, but the white folks um, they don't know candy as much. And somebody was like, "Yeah, th- their favorite song is Word Up." They like Word Up, and yep. I was like, "Wait!" And then somebody said that that was their biggest hit. I didn't it believe was. it. That's, yeah, and I looked
1: it up, and yeah, it's it's. Uh... More commercial, that's what we're gonna call it. More commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like uh with groups like Atlantic Star, you know, the black people we listen to Symphony and Circles, hmm. but the white people wanna talk about the secret lovers and always, <laughs> like the big, big yeah. hits. It's that's just match. like the, the the different ways that we listen to music, you know, on yeah, sure. either side of the spectrum of blackness.
0: Definitely happens. Same with cooling the game. They be like celebration is the biggest yeah, song for man. whenever it's uh, anything in the world that it could be a championship game. It could be a parade. You're gonna hear celebration, <laughs> right in, but yeah. but for us, we might go for something like summer madness. So you know, it's it might, it might even be too hot. We just got a whole different we, yeah we preference.
1: Celebration for it. is not typically what we would play from them.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So cameo did have that type of appeal, and the the, the funny thing, the funny thing about cameo to me is that. They're the perfect example of a lot of groups and a lot of artists that whenever you come out, if your look is so to the T of that time, you have to keep that image forever. So whenever you see Cameo today, and they still got flat tops and
2: wild colors and
0: sparkles, it's like it looks hilarious because they like sixty five seventy with with the flat tops, and I don't even know if it really is hair. It might be a it's it's a a, a lace front with it, a a gorilla
1: glue situation at this
0: point. (laughs) It might be some gorilla glue on it. It might be it it might be stuck there forever. But if he bald headed, (laughs) then follicles is dead anyway. So it's like it's no issue. (laughs) That's
1: the way I see. it. Oh, you're telling the truth. You know they're from that time, so even like the card piece and the the, the glitter and the the outfits, it's like you know, yeah, y'all 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 a little different, but we love them. Yeah. You know, they're like the uncles that we all have had growing up. That we just a yeah. little bit embarrassed by, but they always tell the best <laughs> stories. Yeah, well, their so stories like, are you amazing. Know, you got to keep them around. Them them good uncles.
0: The hilarious uncles. They probably yeah. capping. They probably lying about some of it, but you oh, you gonna accept the lies.
1: Lie. <laughs> Everything. You gonna accept it because
0: it's entertaining. So that's right. Much love the cameo for that. So, for my my rewind for this week, I'm gonna go into the '90s. So, my pick for this week is actually Jeanne We've mentioned Jeanne a couple times before, but definitely one of my favorite duos. And it's crazy when you look back at certain groups and realize they only had sometimes one and two albums. And with Jeanne they really only had two albums. They had a few features, like they had the Busta Rhymes. It's a party song, but for the most part, everything that we know from them mainly came from that first album so with them just like a lot of singers they came from philly they met at temple back in the day and their typical type of name you know black folks love combining names so it was renee and, and Jean. so they made it it was john a and they converted that to john a to make it have some appeal but they came with that first album pronounced john a and what i, what I like to call that is uh they hit us with a, with a three piece they came with three powerful singles that you still hear today all the time so i don't care what generation you're from you know hey mr dj you know groove thing you know sending my love and i feel like at the time hey mr dj was the biggest song that they had i feel like you probably hear sending my love a little bit more nowadays for some reason but you still hear them all it depends on where you are but i think a lot of the the, uh, millennials the the lower half millennials and gen z they love sending my love i think uh chloe and Halley, somebody actually predicted it somebody on twitter maybe two years ago said that they would love to see them remake that song, and it happened this year. So Chloe and Hallie actually have a remake to that song, Sending My Love. And they came. They had a couple more songs. They had track on um, soundtracks. And my favorite song from their second album was probably Crushed. They had a track called Crush that was Ooh. just... The so, song man, just, in the video, yes. Yeah. It was just so smooth. And I feel like when you hear their, their music, it's certain albums and groups from that mid-'90s period that... It sounds like the 90s, whether you love it or or don't like it, is it sounds so 90s. With them, it still sounds pretty modern. I don't think it sounds like, whether you hate the word dated or not, like especially Mr. DJ and Sending My Love, like Groove Thing, it does have a 90s take on the Patrice Russian, haven't you heard? Like, they slowed that down and kind of used that bass line, but even that is still just an upbeat track that it makes me miss those duos when they would sing back and forth with each other, and that's one of those groups that... I still listen to it to this day. I still play their
1: songs all the time. Yeah, I love, love hey I mean, Listen, let's talk about Black Girl Magic real quick because let's only two black girls could meet at Temple and hmm. one name be Renee. Hmm. <laughs> and yeah. they'd be like, hmm, let's call ourselves Jhane. <laughs> and then it would be like, nah, that's like everybody else. You know what? If we do it with a Z and a H, it's Jhane. Hey. And hey. the rest is history. You know, they... But this is the thing. They can actually sing their asses off. They like, can. Together, they are amazing, but separate, because they still work separately. They, they do. sound so amazing. And you were right. Back in, you know, 94, 95, you heard more, Hey, Mr. DJ. It was a big song. And then they had the song with uh, Naughty By Nature, the Jamboree song when they were singing. They are the on this. Yeah. It was on the Lowdown, yeah. Dirty Shame soundtrack. But now... Sending my love is the song that's connected most with like the younger millennials and Gen Z, like you said. They haven't had an album since '97, but those songs still stay around. And for three of them to come from the first album, that really talks about how good that album was.
0: Seriously, I've heard uh, "Sending My Love" sample too. Uh, a rapper who passed a couple years ago, Chinx Drugs, actually has a remake mm. of that song, and it's it's dope. He he sounds like just like. Uh, if you, if you heard Method Man or somebody on a song back then, like he comes on with that smooth New York flow, and it's, it's just a perfect combo. So I feel like those songs are just basically timeless. And it's one of those groups that you never
1: really heard why they split. I'm not even sure. They See, this is the thing. They keep it so in-house, which I love. Because <laughs> they're like, no, we don't want y'all knowing our business. We not for the drama. Yeah. It's, they, but they do not communicate. <laughs> they, don't they don't follow each yeah. other. They don't talk. <laughs> wow. Like... Jean never talks about ever. I never see her repost anything Jeanne, but Renee. Wow. I feel like the majority of what she posts has to do with Jeanne and like looking back. Um, but not hmm. Jean. I think Jean is more focused on like her group, with her husband, and doing other stuff. But yeah. I, I mean, it it could be over. A, who knows? It could be over a boy. It could be over <laughs> yeah. a, a Popeye chicken sandwich. At this point, we just don't know why. They split, yeah. and I'm hopeful that they will reunite, like at one of the BET Awards or something. Come back and yeah. come out singing, "Hey, Mister DJ, you know, just take us back."
0: I'll be hyped if that happened. That's true, because I mean, it's one of those things where you know it had to be serious. I mean, because if if they just split and there's, there's no communication, there's no talk, it's good that it wasn't house, like you said, it was yeah, pre it was pre social media, so it was no speculation, there was no yeah. rumor, like. I heard she was dating the dude that, you know, and and it's not always about a guy. It could be about music. It could be about about anything. It could be creative direction. Who knows? Yeah,
1: because, yeah, they are creatively, I think, if you listen to them separately, you can hear the difference of style. So maybe one wanted something that the other didn't. Who knows?
0: Yeah, it could be the case. So either way, much love to them for what they did together and separately. So that's our rewind for this week. Uh, Next up, we're going to flip it. We're going to do fast forward. Fast forward is where we discuss some artists who are making some strong waves right now, making some impact, and we see them being a a force in the future. So who would your
1: pick be for this week? All right, so I discovered this girl and kind of fell in love because it reminded me of an Amy Winehouse meets maybe like a Corinne Bailey Ray musically. Her name is Hmm. Celeste. Um, She was born in America... But she was raised in London. So I'm getting closer to UK. like... Still yeah, UK? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting closer to it being like American-American. Because American. <laughs> she is American. I mean, you know, you know, she was born here. I mean born Yeah. Yeah. Technically, but, technically. Yeah, technically she's American. But like I said, she reminds you of like an Amy Winehouse or a Corinne Bailey Ray. Um, mm. Her parents are British, obviously. Um, she's also half Jamaican. And her influences were people like Aretha, Ella Fitzgerald, Sly and the Family Stone, Alice Coltrane, Thelonious Monk, and Ray Charles. So far she's only released one EP and her solo album just came out earlier this month. Her EP was called Lately and her debut album is called Not Your Muse. Um, The songs Mm -hmm. that people should check out are Strange, Love Is Back, and Both Sides of the Moon. So if you like that. Brit Sound, if you like live instrumentation, if you like Amy Winehouse, if you like Corinne Bailey Ray, if you want something that you can just relax to, and an artist who actually, her voice is like very comforting for some reason. It's like very versatile, comforting voice. Then you should definitely check out Celeste. Definitely. I've, I haven't heard of her before.
0: So just for yeah, everything just you heard described, yeah, everything you just described makes me want to check her out and see what she has. Cause it sounds like, I can just picture her vibe. It just sounds like something I can drive down PCH
1: and just cruise. Yep. And just, I don't know what PCH is, but yep, yep. It's something you can drive to. I'll look at you. Hey, <laughs> <through>. it's, <laughs> hey,
0: basically, it's, it's Pacific Coast Highway. One side is just the mm. ocean. So imagine you driving, you see the coast on one side, whereas it's yep. water, then and you see the mountains on one side. That's
1: Celeste, all the way. That's yeah. her music. That is her okay. music. It's it's a... Uh, it's, it transports you to, like, this tranquil place in life, and that sounds like it's very relaxing. Don't fall asleep, don't drive over the cliff, and we good. Yeah.
0: Got you, got you with that. All right, I'm going to check her out for sure. My pick for this week is actually D Smoke. So mm-hmm. D Smoke, um, a rapper from Inglewood. I would say he definitely has somewhat of a unique trajectory, but it's not too surprising in this in this era because um, with him, he's been around rapping since his first project was probably about 16 years ago. He had a project a long time ago called Producer of the Year, 15, 16 years ago, and he's from Inglewood, so he grew up not too far from me and everybody who I grew up with in LA, but I didn't really know him by name or know who he was directly until he was on Rhythm and Flow on Netflix. And it was actually my my manager and her husband who uh, who were watching Rhythm and Flow one time I was at their house. And they're like, Yeah, it's a dude on here. My favorite dude is from Inglewood named D Smoke. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, He looked familiar, but okay. I couldn't tell where, where it was from. Like, you know, typical LA rap circuit, you've seen people forever, but you don't really know where they came from, so just watching him there, I was like, yeah, he has somewhat of a Kendrick type of uh, vibe, but it's still different. I'm like, he's rapping bilingual, he's playing piano, so he he's talented. And then um, when I actually was able to meet him, I realized that, okay, I, I know exactly who you are. He actually used to run a spot with one of my friends called Woodworks that's over in Inglewood, and it was like a kind of a live recording studio slash small performance piece, and he was a type of, he's one of those rappers who a lot of times new rappers they've been doing things involved with music forever. So even before he was uh, blowing up with, with rap, he was just running this studio. And he's always been been a factor in, in that way. And he was also a teacher teaching, I think maybe history or something like that at Englewood High. So he's not the typical rapper and because he's in his mid thirties. So it's like, we're so used to back in the day when rappers came out at 1920, but now we have rappers who come out as veterans. So when you hear his first album, Black Habits is his first actual album. He had maybe an EP couple years ago um uh, Inglewood High but this first album Black Habits is Grammy nominated and that's to come out the gate with a Grammy nominated album and when you hear it it's high quality and it, it shows you that you can tell he's been around for a while it's a very polished album and it does as I mentioned before it has some Kendrick vibes but it still has he has his own style like the first song that they sent me was called No Commas and No Commas is like the Kind of the street single, the kind of lyrical, the the hardcore drums, and with him being a West Coast rapper, you can tell on certain songs like "Top of the Morning" um, is just a straight West Coast type of vibe. And Gasper Yonja with Snoop, of course, Snoop is on it, so it feels West. But some tracks just feel like is this hip hop? You can't even put a region to it. Like the main track "Black Habits," you see that video and see them at, at a plantation and just see the concept behind it and just hearing what he's talking about, just black excellence. Like it's. It's, it's it's so far from the stereotypes of what we're so used to hearing and when we discussed the the, the artists who were nominated for the rap album of the year this this year he, he perfectly represents that all five of them had like hip-hop projects where they were not commercially forced like he doesn't have a single radio song on there that's like getting major radio play and he doesn't need it because he's still been able to reach that height with what he has with, with a strong project so once again, for this to be his breakthrough project, I'm like, what are you, you going to do for your second and third album? So it's the sky's the limit for him, and I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. So uh, as far as you being in New York, were you familiar with him at all, or what did you I even know wasn't. about him? So okay.
1: I recently got familiar because one of my sisters is in love with the Smoke, and she okay. wants to um, probably marry him and have all of his babies. Hey. I don't know. But uh, she told me that his, <laughs> he was brothers with uh, the singer Sir, yeah, and yeah. I I found out who he was that way, and then I started looking him up, and I found out that he um co-wrote and produced Jaheem's Never, which was like a big hmm. uh, you know adult AC radio hit a couple years ago, that and I huge. didn't realize that he wasn't just you know, you hear the rapper names, it's like the freshman class or something from Double hmm. uh, XL, yeah. yeah, like you see that, and you're like okay, you know, the, you hear these names, and you're like all right, I don't know who that is, but. After looking through his credits, I was like, yo, dude, okay, he's he's really talented. He's got some versatility in him that he can do songs with Jaheen. But then also, like, his work, like you said, the sound is very, very West Coast. And as someone who doesn't live on the West Coast, when I hear certain things, I'm like, yeah, that sounds Cali. Like, that sounds – it's like a Snoop song. It's like, that sounds like Snoop. So, um, yeah. D Smoke is definitely one to look out for. I've been paying attention, but – I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what else he has because he came out the gate kind of big.
0: Yeah, he did. He did. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And yeah, their whole family is musical. So it's him, sir, then their brother Davion Ferris too. He's also oh, a R&B singer. More of them. Yeah. Then his dad was a singer. I think I know his dad's a pastor, but I think he was a singer. His mom's a singer. So their cousin, uh, uh, Ebrion, is a DJ. It's like the whole family is just connected with wow. it. So he comes from that type of lineage. You can hear it. You can just tell it's not. You can tell he's not a here today, going tomorrow type. Like they worked on that project, and mm-hmm. salute to DJ Shanks for for uh, looking over that project and making it what it is, helping it to become what it is. So uh, much love to D Smoke, and for everybody who's listening, every artist that we've mentioned, we have on our playlist. Each episode, we do have the Behind the Wheels playlist, which is available on Spotify. So make sure that you look in the uh, liner notes for the episode. We have the link for that. So at this time, we're gonna go on a break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about something that we've kind of brushed up on already, um, um, Neo Soul. We're going to talk about Neo Soul and just, you know, the genre or subgenre in its entirety. And we're also going to have a beat match. This time, we're going to get a little bit, a little bit, uh, you know, intense because it's going to be debating two of our favorite hip-hop or mm-hmm. hip-hop and soul-based producers. And it might be kind of divisive, but hey, that's what we're here for, so go ahead and grab your, your water your champagne whatever you are drinking um and we'll be right back in a couple minutes Welcome back. So once again, this is Behind the Wheels. I am DJ Artistic and we have EB right here alongside me. So the drop for this this episode is gonna be about Neo Soul. It's based on the email that we received. Um, The email we received requested us to just discuss Neo Soul. They want us to talk about the origin story, the underrated artist, or even the overhyped artist, why it didn't sustain, not just in the sound, but in meaningful content and why it didn't break through commercially to that level. Although the main acts still do have huge followings and the main acts that that were mentioned were Maxwell, Jill Scott, D'Angelo, and Erica Badu. So let's see, so Neo Soul is one of those things that is still talked about daily, especially if you were there in that generation. I would say anywhere from the 30s up to even the early 50s crowd was probably the biggest um, Direct target base for it. The actual title was given by Kidar Massenberg, I know that, back in the late 90s. And yep. I think he was a label exec or something like that. And yep. uh, we can get into everything. But one thing that I remember hearing is that a lot of artists didn't like the label. And a lot of times when certain subgenres come around, artists don't like the label. But we can get into that. Um, we can get into that in a minute. But the first thing I want to say, similar to how we broke down New Jack Swing. What do you feel was like the first neo soul song or album or what group? Because it's so many different points that people point at and look at, but it's kind of hard to say right. who was the
1: actual origin. It's hard to pinpoint exactly, you know, which. Sound. I mean, we know which artist was the first because they were labeled like the queen of neo soul. Um, if yeah. you listen to like Erica Badu and yeah, Baduism. Badu. Um, but I would go, I go back to like the eighties and listening to groups like loose ends or soul to soul, because hmm. basically what Neo soul is, it's nothing different than regular hip hop soul. The only difference is there's live instrumentation, um, because yeah. they both have the same, uh, they built on the same elements of hip hop samples and they are built on, you know, these soulful vocals over the hip hop samples, um, so I th- I think groups like Soul to Soul and Lucent's probably I'd probably say they were um, some of the early ancestors of Neo Soul. Yeah. A lot of people didn't like the title, and I I agree. Like sometimes I'm like because they weren't doing anything different. What it is is it was mm-hmm. just a way to market it differently. So yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, a singer like Erica or a singer like Eric Benet or even Jill Scott or an Indie re could also have a radio airplay and compete with somebody like a Mariah Carey or a Tony Braxton or a Faith Mm -hmm. Evans who weren't necessarily using all of the elements with the live instrumentation, but they still were building their music upon the samples. They still were singing soulfully and, you know, in a throwback to the old school. Um, But yeah, Soul to Soul and Loose Ends, those are the two that I think, hearing them, I'm like, okay, I can see how, you know, Neo Soul evolved from what these groups were doing in the late 80s.
0: Yeah, because we've had debates about that. Like, what do we even call that era? Because some people have called it British Soul. We have yeah. heard that Acid Jazz had some roots in that era, too. Mm-hmm. And like even like brand new heavies type artists. Like, we've heard them be mentioned in that kind of Acid Jazz era. But some of that has some type of influence or some type of like ancestral roots, I would say, to Neo-Soul, and even, I even questioned, like, so, Tony, 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 in some ways, yeah. has a Neo-Soul-ish type of sound to me, and then even Groove Theory, even, we just mentioned Jané like, yeah. some of what they did to me, if, if it had been released five years later, it would have definitely been labeled as Neo-Soul, because it didn't sound like what Maya or Destiny's Child or Shakespeare did with TLC. Right. So, I feel like that could have been labeled the same way, but it came before that label was even there, so... With that even with d'angelo when he dropped brown sugar that term neo soul wasn't really out but by the time he came back with voodoo it's mm. like Oh, that's neo soul and it's like is it or if if it was that means brown sugar was but is it just because that's what we call it now so <laughs> it yeah it's kind of those labels do get tricky but i heard a lot of times artists didn't really roll with that as you said and it feels like it. when you mentioned the the different sounds um 2000 so i actually made a a video mix of just all the r&b songs from 2000 that were huge and i had to separate the first half was the commercial songs the second half was what what are singing is more neo soul and in the mm-hmm. middle i had the songs that kind of sounded like it can kind of go either way so the beginning i had the maya i had like the the best of me i had the case of the X. I had destiny's child jumping jumping then i i kind of moved into like the carl thomas i wish the mm-hmm. summer rain the uh Donnell Jones might have had a song at that time, uh, even like Rough Ends had songs that were a little bit more soulful than the commercial synthesized sound, but it wasn't quite Neo Soul. Then the right. Neo Soul, we had those four albums that we discussed before. We had music, uh, which is still not as deep in Neo Soul, but still, I mean, it's the same, still the same lane, I would say. We had the music, uh, when you had Jill Scott's debut, you had the uh, Mama's Gun, Erica, and you had Voodoo from D'Angelo. And those four albums to me were like the most definitive for that year. And then in that same period, you had, like, Maxwell. So it's like, I'm assuming everybody sees Maxwell the same way in that same genre. Right. And and with those, those were, like, the main artists that you heard be, be labeled as neo So. Even with hip-hop, like, The Roots had a lot of songs that were bordering that. Even Bilal, when Bilal came out, you I'm sure everybody sees Bilal as being, being yeah, Neo so, Bilal Yeah, Bilal
1: or Van Hunt. I think Van Hunt, yeah. the majority of it the difference is in the production style. Like... The commercial stuff was more synthesized as opposed to the live instrumentation. And I think if any city had to be crowned, you know, the home of Neo yeah. Soul, it would probably be Philadelphia yeah, because sure. that's the sound that was coming out of the city at that point. And part of the reason they call it Neo Soul was because if you go back to the 70s when the sound of Philly was coming out of uh, Philadelphia International Records, that was the new soul of America because Motown wasn't as soulful during the time so then by the mm. time Kedar had oh, to yeah, bring yeah. you know market this this new subgenre he's like well let's just build upon the legacy of the city cuz the city is already one of the greatest musical cities in the world not even just in the united states He's like, okay, you know, that was soul. We'll just call it New Soul. So it's it's now Neo Soul. But it's the same thing these people have always been doing. You know, there are big underground scenes in cities like Dallas or Atlanta or Chicago or even New York City where, like, the underground scenes, the musicians aren't as famous, but they are just Hmm. as talented, if not more talented than those who are famous. So now you got this genre to quantify, you know this is what this is. This is Neo so We can sell this. You know, put on a head wrap, you know, light <laughs> yeah, some incense, yeah. you know, hold up an arm, you know, namaste, count to 10, you know, something, <laughs> you know, it was like, we got to make yeah. it seem like it's different. But then a lot of people did get a lane from that. Like music got a great intro from that, like having that lane, you know, Jill Scott, That's True. think about like Erica, like if they had come out and there was no term for it, and there was no way that this was being marketed. They would have got lost in the shuffle because they was playing no scrubs, and you know, yeah. they was playing bills, bills, bills. You know, <laughs> like that's just what it was. It's just a way to market it to a different audience. I still think Erica's the queen of it. I d- I wouldn't say that those acts didn't break through commercially to the same levels because I think Erica Badu is one of the most recognized artists, no matter where you go in the world. Like. People know mm. who Eric Badu is. People know who D'Angelo is. I think people probably yeah. know who Jill Scott is. It, it, I I just think it's a different lane of commercial success.
0: It's similar to fashion in some senses where whenever something that comes out is, is too trendy and too flashy, it might mm-hmm. be the biggest thing at the time, but it's not going to sustain versus what's just classic and it stays around forever. Like a classic T-shirt or button up in jeans, it just looks more classic than... Uh, than what what we, what we have back then it might have been a um, iceberg sweater or throwback jersey you know those things didn't always sustain the same way in the same way with with the, the soulful sound because to me i've always just felt with music acoustic music is always more timeless period and whenever you're going synthesize the way that synthesized sounds change up every year to it's always going to make stuff sound dated quicker so that's the reason that certain music from the 70s still sounds so good and certain artists like linda um dawn they make a song that sounds like it's in the 70s right now Mm -hmm. but it still sounds great because of those those acoustic instruments and i feel like the fact that most of these neo soul artists had that acoustic type of sound that's the reason that that music still does sound as good today like i don't think anything that i enjoy from that era of neo soul doesn't sound as good today and even even comparing it to what was so groundbreaking at the time because What's hilarious to me, you probably remember it too, late 90s, 98, 99, everything was about being futuristic because we saw the 2000s is going to be, so that's everything from the music videos, the Janet and Buster video to yeah. No Scrubs video to I mean, just scream, the way Outcast Michael was still sounding. Yeah, Scream, yeah. exactly. Like, so it felt like everything was trying so hard to say the 2000s is going to sound like this. And conversely, you had this whole sound that was based in the 70s. And you look back now, and that still sounds great, versus everything that sounded so futuristic then, it almost sounds silly now. A lot of those, so- those songs don't even sound the same because they're trying so hard to be futuristic. And by 03, 04, the soulful sound, even with hip-hop, had taken over because even with the Kanye and Just Blaze, that wasn't neo soul, but you can say they might have taken cues from that, and they were sampling soul music. And that's why... You hear certain stuff from Blueprint and it still sounds good because it had that soulful element to it.
1: Yeah, you can even go back to like the early 90s listening to like a tribe called Quest or, you know, any group that incorporated elements of jazz and live instrumentation and in what they were doing. Those are all, you know, subgenres that combine to make this other subgenre of neo soul. And I yeah. think the music from that subgenre has aged a lot better than others because of the live instrumentation like you were saying it because it yeah. it's not one of those styles that gets lost in oh this definitely was 2000 or oh <laughs> yeah, this definitely yeah. was 1970 you know it for wasn't sure. it wasn't um as heavily produced but it still sustains today and i think uh for the artists who wore the faces of neo soul back then a lot of them have gone on to have great careers by just being still like they're still doing exactly what they were doing then they didn't have to work to change because oh now everybody's doing this or now everybody's doing that they could still just be definitely
0: i agree with that and um before you move on um do you think there were any artists who were slept on in that era anyone who was underrated or who didn't get the love or shine that they were supposed to get it was a lot of them but yeah (laughs) Yeah, i mean like
1: (laughs) uh you and i've talked about adriana evans before you know first one i was thinking yeah yeah like adriana evans um if you were not Erica Badu, Angie Stone, D'Angelo, Maxwell, maybe a Jill Scott or Eric Benet, then you were slept on because a lot of them were making like great music. I'll
0: say Bilal, I'll throw Bilal in there. Yeah, Bilal, Van Hunt. Those top, top names. Beyond that, it was a lot who did get slept on. Once again, salute to Neo Soul because I still enjoy it and a lot of artists are still making that type of music. So whether we call it, whether it's a label or not, I enjoy soul music. So Yeah. That's what it's all about. So uh from this point we're going to move on to our last segment. This last segment, all right, so it's called Beatmatch. We do this every episode and then with Beatmatch, we take it could be two artists, it could be producers, it could be albums, eras, whatever it is. Me and EB w- will choose a side and debate who would come on top in the battle. And you know, we've been having, you know, he's won a couple, I won a couple, you know, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. keep count, you know, but either way we're going to see who comes uh, out with this one like I um more,
1: but okay.
0: Anyway, anyway, so we actually have it judged by our producers We have Melissa and the lady They always judge it and they will give their input On who they think's won The uh, the debate So for this beat match um, Last last week uh, we celebrated the birth Date of uh, Jay Dilla, the producer Originally known as JD But we call him uh, Jay Dilla Probably because Jermaine Dupree had the uh, name JD Of course and then that's you know That was his, his birthday last week And to me He's one of the greatest producers of all time, and one of the debates I've been hearing for years is about. Of course, we've heard everything from Dilla to Dilla versus uh, Q-Tip or Dilla versus uh, even DJ Quick, but I've been hearing a lot about Dilla versus Premier and who people prefer as a producer.
1: And with that, EB, who would you pick if you had to pick one of those two? If I had to pick one, because I do love them both, um, it's probably Primo DJ Premier. Really, really, yeah.
0: Okay, okay. Well, my pick is Dilla. Uh, Almost easy, but I mean, I do do love Premier. He has some classics for sure, but I'm rolling with Dilla on this one. So what we do in this this format, we debate, we go back and forth, we have rebuttals. Uh, You know, EB, since you're my guest, I will let you go ahead and get this thing started. So why do you think Primo would come out on top against Dilla?
1: They both have signature sounds, but Primo is like, the classic sound of new york like he is a cornerstone of like east coast hip-hop on all levels like in the 90s when you thought about an east coast producer that was one of the first people that you thought about um it's pretty tough because they both have a lot of the same styles but primo does this thing where first of all he has like this immense knowledge of the music that he's sampling or whoever he's producing. So he has a style where he takes different parts of different songs and it could be the same song, different elements. They could be different songs, the same element. He will stitch them together to make a new song. And he also does one of my favorite things is when an artist samples themselves, he's (laughs) like really big on that. Like, okay, well, you know, I'm working with you. Let me think, okay, you had a hit song, you know, 10, 7, 3 years ago. Let me sample that and tie it in with the new sound that you want to build upon. I think he is one of those people who, he's an encyclopedia of knowledge. Like, you can't name a song from hip-hop, jazz, rock, whatever genre you can't throw it at him and he not be able to name it back at you and then he could probably hmm. scratch it in his head like in five seconds like you know i'm gonna take this from this nirvana song and i might take this from a q-tip a, a tribe song and i put it together and now it's a new phrase that somebody got listen to and he was also part of gangstar i mean anybody who is a hip-hop head will know gangstar is one of the best hip-hop duos and it's rare that the DJ of the group goes on to be the most famous one. Hmm. And that that's what he did with Gangstar. Like, yeah, everybody loves Guru, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, everybody knows who DJ Premier is. Even if even if you don't know what he looks like, if you've never heard an interview, you'll know a DJ Premier song here. He has a, a distinct style.
0: Okay, I can rock with that. So, yeah, Primo is definitely one of my favorites. I mean, what he did with Nas nice is Like is insane, but... I feel like Dilla, I would say for me personally, outside of, I would say Dre and Quick, Dilla has to be my favorite producer, especially for hip hop. Um, Timbaland's up there as well. But the thing with Dilla, Dilla is, for one, I feel like everything Primo can do, Dilla can do something like it, but he could do a lot more too. So when, when Dilla came out the gate, he came in there with Farside. So he's giving you songs like Running, like Drop, like She Said. And then he gets with Tribe, and I'll say, a lot of folks didn't really care for what he did with Tribe, but it was still, if you listen to it, he, he made some great music with them, like Once Again, and a lot of those songs on there were banging, but when he came back on that last Tribe album, Find A Way, that's one of the craziest beats I've heard, like, Find A Way is so cold. And then, when he really caught his stride in that 98, 99, 2000, when he got with that, with, with the Uma, with Q-Tip, and everything they made, so the, the Common album, you, you listening to "Light Water for Chocolate. That first, uh, that first intro, the, uh, the, the Fela intro, that's one of the dopest drum beats I ever heard. So he had that then doing it. He flipped the Rick James um, bass line, Give It To Me Baby, and just chopped it up and just made a funky, smooth track. He's playing keys on top of it. And that's one advantage I say is that he's a musician as well. Like Primo is a genius when it comes to samples, but Dilla can, can go without samples. He can just take a small sample. But he's gonna play everything on top of it, and then we hear the light. The light is one of the most epic hip hop songs, of course. The way he flipped that Bobby Caldwell, he had that. But along with that same era, the same year, he had the, uh, the the stuff he did with Erica. So I'm not sure if he did produce Clever. I'm not gonna count Clever because it's he's not officially credited for producing Clever, but everybody says he did that. But Dinks, you know, like that's something that most rap producers are not making a soulful, smooth groove like that. So. When I hear Ding Cheneau, it's just like, that's just something that's so fire. And that's just what he was doing outside of the group. So the same way that that, uh, Primo had Gangstar, Dilla had Slum Village. And Slum Village, the the thing that's crazy is that their biggest songs came after Dilla left, but they were big enough to have those songs because of what Dilla established for them. So before they had Selfish and Tainted, they had that fantastic volume Two, And that whole album, I'm talking about the intro on there to to climax to players the song players it's not even saying players it's saying claire and the way he modulates that and flips those sounds to make it sound like it's saying players is just so genius and it has get this money and when you hear the way that he flipped the sample for um for raise it up it's from a a random techno song if you if you heard the original song even as a producer dj you would hear this and just ignore it you might just think this is some nonsense let me cut this off he chopped that up and threw some drums on top of it and made it a, a banger. And it's like, for him to do that was just so genius to me. So that all happened even before he started making his his, proje- his projects like his finale uh, donuts and working with Mad Libs. So that's just the, the first part of what I have to say about um Dilla. So I'll let you get your rebuttal in right now.
1: Yeah, no, Dilla is great. He is one of the greats. Um, I think you were mentioning Dr. Dre and Quick, and Dilla being amongst your favorites. Um, you know, they actually said that Primo was the one of the world's greatest hip hop producers right behind Dr. Dre. And I have to agree, I think Primo is definitely hip hop, but I don't think hip hop restricts him. You know, he can work with anybody from any genre, like he's worked with Christina Aguilera, he gave her a big hit with Can't Know Other Man. He's worked with Limp Bizkit. He's worked with Kanye, Janet Jackson, D'Angelo. You know, that, hmm. that Lady remix is classic. Like, Lady already yeah. a great song, but the remix and the video, people remember with AZ, that was, that was Primo. I think that, you know, he, he's worked with people like Heavy D and Soul to Soul, which is great, but he was instrumental in the careers of Biggie in the career of Nas and the career of Jay-Z, like he was on all of their debut albums. Like he helped to establish them and their sound as one of, you know, the premier, no pun intended, DJs in hip hop. A lot of Dilla's legacy rests on the fact that he passed early. It It is, you know, we we appreciate and remember Dilla, but a lot of that is because he passed early And that happens with artists. Not to say that his work isn't great because it is great, but a lot of his legacy rests on the fact that he passed early. If he was still alive, yes, he probably would still be doing amazing things. But Primo has been around to prove that he is still doing amazing things. And his legacy, people don't appreciate him because he passed. They appreciate him because he's DJ Premier and that he has been a cornerstone in the New York and the East Coast hip-hop scene.
0: I hear you. I get it with certain artists. A lot of times when certain artists do pass, they, they do get that. like They, they do get uh, heralded as being legends. But with him, I think it's a lot different. I feel like... So here's the thing with him. He didn't have those super high peaks when he was alive because a lot of what he was doing was not for the bigger artists as much. So he wasn't working. For when he came out after Primo, so he didn't even have a chance to Beyond the debuts of those classic albums but he still was instrumental with the q-tip like you have the breathe and stop type songs and let's ride and he was a huge part you know so Aquarian and working with the roots and of course the far the far side songs i mentioned he rocked with buster rhymes like buster rhymes basically has a dilla song on every album and he kind of had that tupac way of being um, prolific where even for years and years after he's dead he has, he has all these beats sitting there that people still use and they're still fire and i feel like with his, his style of production is still try people try to imitate it a whole lot like primo for sure is imitated all throughout the 90s and 2000s and you still hear primo drums but dilla is like even when he was still alive i think a lot of folks are trying to emulate that style and he influenced a lot of producers who were in that same era like even when you hear high tech high tech might have had a higher peak than dilla at the time like if you think about 2001 High Tech had the song with Janelle, Round and Round. But his style kind of came from Dilla, I would say. They're both Midwest, too. Um, of course, Dilla was Detroit and High Tech was Ohio. But I feel like that kind of offbeat swing that you heard, even when you hear songs like Music, Just Friends, them them offbeat hi-hats, I feel like that kind of came from what Dilla was doing. I think a lot of his influence uh, showed even when his name wasn't as big. So even if you listen to Janet Jackson, we love Velvet Rope, uh, "Got it has Gone. It's like that song was... Um, basically, Jimmy, Jam, and Terry making a Dilla-type track. like They heard what Dilla did, and they remade a Dilla track, and then Dilla went and remixed it just to have his his own version of it, so you hear that, and it's like you you, you see where that influence was, and he he rocked with folks like Les Nubians too, and gave them just some, some true bangers, and I'll throw it back to you.
1: Yeah, Dilla's great. He is, and I appreciate all the work that he's done for everybody, but I stand firm in a lot of his work being honored after his death there's a certain bit of hype there like i'm not saying he's all hype because he is one of the best but there's a certain level of hype and there's a reason why his work wasn't as popular while he was alive as it has been in his death like you take somebody like Premier, and you know he's worked with the legends like krs1 the biggies the nazis uh i mean even his work with guru with gangstar you know that's great he's also worked with the heavy d's but then he can he's proven that he can work with an entire new generation of people and his style is still popular so he's still here doing his style that other people have been trying to imitate for over 20 years now but it's still only one dj premiere and he is the king of the east coast
0: i feel it i feel like jay Diller is still the king of this the sample creativity i feel like as much as I love Primo's samples and what he's done on a lot of songs, it's certain tracks with Dilla that I don't think any other producer would hear what he hears and make make what he did of it. And one thing I can say, too, is Primo's style, it's a legendary classic style that he didn't have to change, but it's kind of been the same sound overall. So no matter who he's working with, that same Jay-Z song sounds just like the the Biggie, sounds just like the Heavy, sounds just like the Gangstar. Dilla was always able to modify his sound for each artist, so what he did for Common didn't sound like Tribe. It didn't sound like Farsight. It didn't sound like Busta. didn't sound like like Erica. It didn't sound like the Mint Condition remix he did. So I feel like... And he didn't have those exact heights, so I will give Primo that part of it, but at the same time, the fact that he had so much to listen to, because he's not the only producer who's died in the last 20, 25 years, and with that, he... He still reigned supreme, and he still got major love when he was alive. It's just that he came out in the era that wasn't the golden age of hip-hop, but he was right after that, and he was the king of that era, I would say. And that's, that's where I'll, I'll go ahead and um, rest my case. So at this time, our producers will deliberate. Uh, hopefully they, they already got some, uh, some of that Erica Badu or something that Dilla produced in their headphones or something, <laughs> and that can influence that decision. But we'll go ahead and let them deliberate, and we'll see what they come up with.
2: Well, well, well. Getting tired of y'all every two weeks. These were some good arguments. Um, But I will say, I'm going with Jay Dilla this time. Right off the bat, like the examples of the songs and the artists, the variety around that, like the moments that they created, whether it was posthumous or not, like. It was just a moment so it continues to be so I'm going with him, although I think DJ Premier is super talented and definitely like made his mark in early hip hop um, because I love Biggie and all that sound from that particular era, but I mean, so many of the songs that Jay Dilla did, I can turn on right now and still do. And I'm like, and then you you had to bring Janet back in there. Hey. And I'm like, come on. Hey, that's not fair. Yeah. This hey. week, I just, hey. the argument was so strong. So I'm going with that. So I'm actually going to have to sit this one out. Um, as our listeners probably know, um, I'm the only non-music professional here. And I know that both these men are quite legends, but most of the things that you named, I have no clue what they are. Like I need actual songs and not just the artists they worked on. I don't want to be disrespectful to either artists. So just for all fairness, I'm going to recuse myself from voting this week.
0: understood. I mean, I mean it's yeah. we'll let the audience decide. So audience, okay. if you're listening right now, Type in that hashtag behind the wheels pod. Let us know who do you think won this battle. Who do you think will win in the battle of twenty songs, or who would you pick overall as far as being um, more creative? Whatever it is, uh, let me let us know. Just hit us on that hashtag on social media.
1: Yeah, let, let us, us know, know about that. Who would win in this beat match and why? His name is DJ Premier.
0: Let him know why it isn't DJ Premier. Let him know mm-hmm. why it's Dilla. We also have our playlist that's going to be curated. So listen to that. Uh, that that playlist, we have the official Behind the Wheels playlist. It's in the liner notes once again. So if you have any suggestions for our topics, for the drop, for any artists you want us to discuss, or even for our our next beat match, go ahead and send us an email. Send that email to BehindTheWheelsPod at gmail.com and we'll definitely um, respond to you and make some things happen. So until next time, um, you know, I will be the champion, you know, even though I only have one one vote that's all i needed you know one zero this time Wait, that's, hey, how hey, it works. that's how it works hey hey she forfeited that vote either way all right all right we'll see what the what the audience says we're going to be checking social media the next couple of days and we will see but yeah until next time uh, this is behind the wheels that was episode number nine i appreciate y'all for rocking with us we have so much more in store for you so continue to just you know to, to tune in Make sure you share the word to your friends. Follow us on Instagram. I am at DJRTISTIC. EB, what's your Instagram?
1: EB, the number four, Prez, P-R-E-Z, so EB for Prez. EB
0: for Prez. Okay. Make sure that you go ahead and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Leave that feedback for us. And once again, check out that playlist. We have the links in the show notes. And I want to thank you all once again for listening. This is Behind the Wheels podcast. Catch me on Twitch every weekend, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. And that is twitch.tv slash 310. EB, you have anything to let, let everybody know before we head out?
1: Yeah, um, DJ Premier, you know, the hashtag <laughs> behind the wheels pod, DJ Premier. Come on, don't, don't embarrass me, y'all.
0: Let's see. All right, we're going to see about it. We're going to see. Until next time, we appreciate y'all. Artistic out.